0: Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. You know, those of you that have watched my television program lately, or even um, if you've been in some of my meetings, I've been preaching a lot on the subject of faith. You may have heard some of these things, but this week I just feel like the Lord spoke to me about that He just wants to stir us up in this area of faith, get us operating in faith in a new level. And... Um, So even if you've heard some of these things that I've taught, you know what? You need to hear them again. I've been teaching it a lot, and every time I hear it, I get stronger. It ministers to me. So, uh, you know, if you think you've heard it all about faith, you're the very person that needs to hear it. And sometimes faith, you know, when you're operating in faith, you uh, can get away from it and not even realize what's going on. It's kind of like Samson. Get up and shake himself and go out and suppose that he can do all of these things at another time, and didn't even realize that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. Well, I don't believe that the Spirit of the Lord departs from us, and I don't believe we lose our faith, but we do stop operating in it. And sometimes we don't even realize it until we get in an atmosphere of faith and around people that are operating in faith. And so I think that this is going to really help you. 1 John chapter 5, I believe it's verse 4, says, This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And so, if we are operating in faith, I believe it's world overcoming faith. I really do. And I don't think that there's any exceptions. You know, before I get into this, let me just give you an example. I remember when our first child was nearly, uh, he was just about due. And it turned out we, we thought we had a month left, but he came two weeks early. So, this is just about two weeks before Joshua was born And Jamie and I, this is back during our poverty days, and we didn't have any money whatsoever. And uh, it's a long story, but I mean, when I say poverty, it was severe poverty. We'd go weeks without eating and things. When Jamie was eight months pregnant with Joshua, she went nearly a month without eating, a forced fast just because we didn't have any money. And so we were struggling. I was pastoring this church, and uh, we met together on, uh, I forgot, one of the midweek nights. And we actually met at people's homes because we didn't have a very large group and I was just so up against it. We had to pay $600 is what it was going to cost us to, uh, you know, have Joshua in a hospital and um, we had already obligated ourselves to it and we didn't have any money. I mean, zero. And our, our whole income for the first year that Jamie and I were married was $1,253 and the second year it jumped up to $1,550. And Joshua came 13 or 14 months after we were married. And so, anyway, in the previous year, we had only had like $1,200. And we had to come up with an additional $600 in a day or two to start paying on this hospital expense. It was just a mountain that we couldn't climb. It just was impossible. And I'd done everything I knew to do and um, just didn't feel like that, you know, it was working. And so we were over here for this midweek service... And I just told the people, I said, look, I had not got anything to minister to you. I just need ministering to myself. And they just thought, yeah, sure, you're the pastor. It's okay. And anyway, I told them, I said, I'm not joking. I said, I had not got anything to share. So we were over at somebody's house. We turned on the 700 Club. And we started watching the 700 Club. There was about, I don't know, seven or eight of us or something. And that was going to be our midweek service, watching the 700 Club. And Kenneth Copeland was hosting it. And Kenneth Copeland was preaching from 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And it says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. He says, faith is world overcoming faith. And I was sitting there watching this and listening to it and saying, Kenneth, I preached on that exact same passage, and I believe it, but it just didn't work. And I mean, it's just like he heard what I was thinking. And he says, don't tell me this doesn't work. He says, it does work. This is the victory that overcomes the world. I said, Kenneth, I've tried it. And he says, that's the problem. You can't try this. You have to believe it. And every thought that I had, he would just come back. I mean, I know God was speaking to me through Kenneth Copeland. He didn't know it, but he was speaking to me supernaturally through that program. And anyway, after about 15 or 20 minutes, he just beat me to a pulp. Every answer I had, every criticism, he answered it. And finally, I just stood up in the name of Jesus. You know what? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And I hadn't realized it, but I was saying the right things. I was still uh, striving for the right things, praying for the right things, but I wasn't operating in faith. I'd come into discouragement and into fear. And so anyway, I just decided, bless God, it will work. And you know what? That was only about a few days before Joshua was born And I began uh, fast and just started praying within two or three days. We had all of that $600. I got what was for me six months worth of income in two or three days because I finally just started believing God. And I know that there may be some people here and you're saying, well, I'm in a trying situation and you don't understand and things like this. And I'm not trying to be insensitive, but brothers and sisters, faith overcomes the world. Faith will put you over and if you aren't being put over, if you are being overcome, if there's discouragement in your life, I'm not saying this is a rebuke, I'm not saying it is criticism, I'm saying it to help you, but I can guarantee you, if you were operating in faith, you would be on top of the situation. You may not be through your problem yet, because sometimes it takes a while for faith to manifest, and there's some things that have to happen. But I can guarantee you, when you're operating in faith, it says it this way over and I believe it's either 1st or 2nd Peter chapter 1 verse 8, it says, Yet believing, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you are believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. If we are truly in faith, there will be a shout in our heart. And I know some of you are thinking, Well, you don't know my situation. Well, again, I could give you a lot of examples, but I've been up with my back against the wall, and I guarantee you against all odds and against all logic... I have been able to start praising God. So I'm just trying to encourage you tonight that, you know, we think, well, I've heard all that there is to know about faith, and I believe this. But if you aren't rejoicing, if there isn't an excitement in your heart, if you don't feel like a world overcomer, then I guarantee you, you need to understand some things about faith. So I'm just going to share some really simple things with you this week, a number of things from my standpoint. We don't ever get together and decide what we're going to preach, and so I have no idea what the rest of these guys are going to minister, but it always fits together. And the Holy Spirit just supernaturally orchestrates this. But I believe that it's really going to build you up. And if I can transfer to you what God has done in my heart on this subject, I guarantee you it's going to bless you. I don't claim that I've figured faith out and that I walk in all the faith that I've got, but I can tell you I'm walking in a degree of faith. I'm manifesting it to a degree, and it's a world-overcoming faith. And so praise God, I believe the same thing will work for you. Here in Hebrews chapter 11, real simple passage of Scripture, everybody's heard this. Verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. You know, this is real simple passage. And all of this, this is called the faith chapter, the uh, he, uh, faith hero hall of fame or whatever. Man, this is a powerful verse. But it says faith is substance. This pulpit is substance. This building is substance. The chair you're sitting on is substance. You could say it's reality or tangible. Faith is real. Faith is tangible. That's what this verse is saying. Faith is is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, if you go to court, a lawyer will produce evidence, and even though the jury wasn't there and didn't see the crime happen, they have this evidence produced that basically reconstructs and it proves what really happened. You know, if the person says, I've never seen this person before, I've never been in that house, but if you have a fingerprint of that person, regardless of what they say, that proves that they were there. And all of this evidence can make you believe things and understand that something is true even though you didn't see it with your physical eyes or experience it first person. And basically that's what faith is. Faith is substance of things hoped for and evidence for things not seen. In verse 3 it says that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen, everything in this physical realm, were not made from things which do appear. It didn't say it was made from things that don't exist, but rather things that don't appear. And here's one of the main points that I want to get across, and this has really, really, really helped me, In my understanding and walking in faith. And that is that there is an unseen world that is real. There is a spiritual world that is real. Actually, the spirit world is the parent force. It created everything physical that we see. And the parent force is greater than the force that it created. The spiritual world existed before there was a tangible world. The spiritual world will exist long after this tangible world and everything has been destroyed and has passed away. So faith is the substance of things that are in this unseen realm. The evidence of things that don't appear. Faith is not just faking it and acting like it's so when it really isn't so. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I actually was brought up, and this is one of the statements that I heard uh, growing up about faith, that faith is saying something is so when it really isn't so, and if you'll say it and believe it hard enough, it'll become so. That's what I was taught. Faith is saying something is so when it really isn't so, and if you say it and believe it long enough, it'll become so. There's actually a lot of people that, whether you phrase it that way or not, that's the way that the average person uh, operates in faith. When they are sick in their body, they'll say something like, Man, I believe I'm healed in the name of Jesus. But they don't really believe that's real. They think that if they'll say it long enough, it'll become real. But the average person doesn't believe that it's a reality. Most people think that faith is just faking it, faith is saying it and hoping that it'll become so. But what I'm trying to get across is faith is just an ability to see what is real. It's just not physical reality. It's a spiritual reality. It does exist. And actually the spiritual world is more real than this physical realm. You know, even in the physical world right here, in this auditorium tonight, there's television and radio signals. And some of you, if you say, well, I don't believe they're here because you can't see them or hear them, that doesn't mean that they aren't here. They are here They do exist. All of that is real right here in this room. And all you'd have to do to prove it is take a television set, put it up here, plug it in, turn it on, tune it in. And you know, when you start seeing and hearing the signal is not when the signal originates. The television set doesn't produce television signals. All it does is receive what is already here. Right now, there are television signals in this room. And if you can't see them, doesn't mean they don't exist. It just means that they're in an unseen realm. They're still in the physical realm. It's just unseen. We've come to realize that there are germs that you can't see. You can magnify them, but I mean with your naked eye, you can't see uh, germs. There's just a lot of things we've come to realize that you can't perceive with your little peanut brain, and yet they do exist. And what the Bible is saying is that there's an entire world, an entire realm out here, that exists and it's real, but it just can't be seen. And when we're saying that, man, God is with us, that isn't something that we're just trying to make happen because we're saying it. But really the truth is God is always with us whether we recognize it or not. The power of God is always on the inside of us. Faith is always present with us. We have already been healed by the power of God. Those aren't statements that are just, you confess them and then maybe they'll become so, but they are actual fact and reality. In the spirit world, God and all of His power and glory is right here in this room with us tonight. Not only in the room, but He's in inside of every one of us. The glory of God indwells us. That isn't just a faith statement. I hate to even use that terminology because that makes it sound like it's not a real statement. But if you understand faith right, a faith statement is the only realm of real reality. Everything physical that we see and deal with, you know what, if you understand this right, it's not that you deny that the physical world exists, but you just get to where you deny that the physical is reality. This isn't real. I know some of you think that's a little strange. It is real, but it isn't the real reality. It isn't the ultimate. Everything in this physical world is subject to the spiritual world. And if you can get to where you are more dominated by what you see through faith and what the Word of God says, this physical world has to bow the knee to it. I'm not saying that cancer doesn't exist. But you know what? The fact that by the stripes of Jesus, you have already been healed is more real than the cancer, than the pain that you feel in your body, than the doctor's report and everything else. And when you can get to where what you see by faith is more real than what you hear or see with your physical eyes, then you know what? That's when the spiritual world begins to start dominating and controlling this physical world. That's really simple, but that's something that most people don't understand. Let's look at an example of this over in 1 Kings, or let's see, is it 2 Kings chapter 6? 2 Kings chapter 6. This is where Elisha, the prophet of God, was telling the king of Israel, the king of Syria's battle plans. They were at war with each other, and every time the king of Syria would try and overcome the king of Israel, the king of Israel would hear about it from Elisha and set an ambush for the king of Syria's ambush. And so in verse 11 it says, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, he decided that there had to be a traitor. You couldn't uh, do the things that the king of Israel was doing if there wasn't a spy that was giving away his battle plans. And in verse 12 it says, And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel... "...telleth the king of Israel the words that you speak in thy bedchamber." And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master... How shall we do? Now, if you'd been giving away the battle plans of some other foreign king that was fighting against the United States, and if you'd been giving away all these battle plans, and someday you woke up and saw all of the armies of that enemy surrounding your house, you'd know why they were there, right? That's what Gehazi did. Gehazi knew that, man, the jig was up. They were in big trouble. And he says, Alas, my master, how shall we do? It's just old English for panicked is what he did. And look at what Elisha said in verse 16. It says, he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Man, that is awesome. Now see, if you don't understand what I'm saying, that faith isn't saying something is so when it really isn't so, and then it'll become so. That's not faith. If you think that, then you know what? That's I believe the people that have given faith a bad name. That's why people get turned off and say, you're just one of those name it, claim it, blab it, grab it guys that confesses things and you think you can confess something into being. And people look at it and say, you're a liar. You just aren't telling the truth. If you think that all that exists is the physical, natural world, if that is your realm of reality, if that's the way you see reality... If it's like you got blinders on and you say, these are the parameters, and anything that I can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel, this is real. And if that's what you believe reality is, then you know what? Elisha lied. Because Elisha said, Fear not, those that be with us are more than those that be with them. You could count the enemy by thousands 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, and then you look over and go, One, two, Did you know what? In the natural realm, it wasn't a true statement. And if all you think is true is the real, I mean, the real realm is natural, then you would say that Elisha lied. But you know, the truth was that if you take into the whole realm, see, there is a spiritual world. The spiritual world isn't make-believe. It doesn't just exist on occasions. There is a constant spiritual world. There are demons in this room tonight. There are angels in this room. The Spirit of God is in this room. None of us can see any of those things. Some people can I had a student come up not long ago and said they saw an angel standing behind me. And I don't doubt that. I've seen lots of people say things like that. I've never seen it. I don't have to see it because I believe it. But I believe that there is a spiritual world. There are demons in here. There are angelic beings in here. And somebody said, well, how can you say that? Because the Word of God, this is like a window into the spiritual world. This tells you what is spiritual truth. John 6, 63, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's Word is a perfect representation of spirit things. You don't just close your eyes and imagine whatever you want to, and you can get into the spirit world that's not God. You can get into a demonic spirit world that will manifest incorrect things. But I'm talking about through the Word of God, you can literally see and perceive into the spiritual world. That's how we see. And based on the Word of God, I believe that there are demons, angels in here. Somebody said, well, didn't you pray and get rid of all of the demons? If we were to rebuke all of the demons, there wouldn't be anybody in here. (laughs) I'm not against people, but you know what? Sickness is often demonic. Jesus cast demons out of people to get rid of sicknesses. Depression is demonic. Discouragement is demonic. And I'm not going to get into whether they're oppressed, depressed, possessed. Who gives a rip? The Bible says that they were demonized is what the Greek word means. It doesn't matter to what degree. Splitting hairs over this stuff. I'm telling you that if you're defeated and discouraged you got demons messing with you. And if we were to bind all of the demons, we wouldn't have anybody to minister to in here. Yeah, there are demons in here, but there's also angelic beings. The power of God is here. And just because you don't don't see it doesn't mean that they aren't here. They are here. And so see, people who are sitting there saying, well, I'm just trying to be real. I'm not one of these name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. I'm just trying to be real. I'm telling you... That regardless what you say, regardless what positive confession says, regardless what the Bible says that by His stripes we were healed, I'm just telling you that I am sick. That's real. That's not real. That's not all of reality. It is a true. It is may be true, but it's not truth. It's not the trump card. In the physical realm, you may have a sickness in your body, but it is also true that in your spirit, you have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And it just depends whether you're going to let natural truth dominate you or spiritual truth dominate you. So see, when somebody says, hey, I'm just trying to be real. I don't care. I'm not hypocritical. I may not be healed, but at least I'm not a hypocrite. Well, you are a hypocrite because you know what? You are a born again person that has the spirit of God on the inside. You've got the supernatural life of God and instead of acting who you are in the spirit, you are more identified with that physical, natural you. You think that's the real you and you're afraid to say something that would contradict what you see, taste, hear, smell and feel because you think that's reality. But I'm telling you that there is another world There is a spiritual world and there's a spiritual you. And on the inside, you are the one who's a world overcomer. You have the same power on the inside of you that indwells the Lord Jesus. You've got God himself living on the inside of you. And if you take into account all of reality, the spirit world and the physical world... You aren't lying to say that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. You aren't lying to say I am not defeated. I am not discouraged because in the spirit you aren't. Your spirit is just awesome. And so see what Elisha did when he said, Fear not, those that be with us are more than those that be with them. I know that Gehazi probably thought, Yep, this prophet's been spending too much time in the Bible. He's finally lost it. He's delusional. He's in denial. But look what he did. He he said in verse 17, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. I can guarantee you his physical eyes were already wide open. This isn't talking about seeing with his physical eyes. But you know what? You can see with your heart. I'm going to minister on this tomorrow morning, walking by faith. But you can see with your heart. You know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I could, but let me just say this real quickly. I believe that God created us differently than what we see today. I do believe in evolution. I just don't believe that we evolved from some slime someplace into what we are. I believe in evolution that since God created us, we have evolved downward. (laughs) We're just a small uh, replica of what we used to be. I believe that when God created man, He created us not with five senses, but with a sixth sense, faith. I think God created us with an ability to see with our heart and to know things with our heart. And we still have residual effects of it in our life. Probably every person in here at one time or another has had to make a decision. You prayed about it. And you didn't feel good about it, but it, logic just said, this is what you've got to do. So you went ahead, followed logic or followed the pressure of other people. And as soon as you did it and everything didn't work out, you said, I knew I wasn't supposed to do that. Has anybody ever done that? You've made a decision and you knew in your heart it wasn't right, but you couldn't figure it out. So you went ahead and followed the pressure followed logic. But in your heart, you knew something that there was no physical proof for. It was just intuitive. You just knew something. I believe God created us with an ability to walk by faith and that Adam and Eve... You know, in the scripture, it doesn't say that they ever saw God. God walked with them in the cool of the evening every day. They heard His voice, but it doesn't say that they heard it with their audible ears. They might have. I'm not saying that it didn't happen, but I'm saying they related to Him by faith. It was in their heart. They knew God. And I really believe... That God created man to live by faith, to walk by what's going on in their heart. And what we see today, where people just ignore that there is more to it than what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. It it makes us only half the person that God intended us to be. And yet today, if you try and operate by faith you're ridiculed and made fun of and talked about that, man, you're one of those religious kooks and many Christians even are afraid to even say things like this. And yet I believe that this is normal for the Christian life. Faith is the normal Christian life. Every person that you read about in Hebrews chapter 11, they saw things that they couldn't see with their physical eyes. Jesus told people constantly, he that had ears to hear, let him hear. Well, everybody had physical ears. He was talking about hearing with your heart. You can know things. You can be led by the Spirit of God. We aren't supposed to be just human beings, physical. We are supposed to be spiritual beings. And so when Elisha said, Lord, open up the young man's eyes, he wasn't talking about his physical eyes. He was talking about seeing with his heart. And um, it says that he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. When his eyes opened up, the eyes of his heart is not when all of a sudden all of these horses and chariots of fire came because Elisha prayed and all of a sudden, boom, they showed up. The truth is that they were there all along. It's just like a television signal. When you turn on your set, is isn't when the station starts broadcasting. It's already been broadcasting 24-7. You just aren't always receiving the signal. You aren't always aware of what's going on around you, but it's always broadcasting. It's the same thing that the angels of God, the Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps round about those who love him. It also says that what Elisha had was nothing in comparison to what we have, that these people long for our day. So if Elisha had thousands of horses and chariots of fire round about him, then I've got tens of thousands round about me, and so do you, and altogether this place is crowded. That is not just a... Wishful statement. There are angels. You know this angel that's in the entryway out there? I don't know for sure what an angel looks like, but I guarantee you they're better than that. And yet that would be good enough. I'd like to go stand under that wing. Amen. You know what? Angels are awesome. And we've got angels. We've got the presence of God. Brothers and sisters, those things aren't just statements that we make in the religious realm, but they aren't real. They are real. And if we could believe it, we can access that power. And yet, I'm not saying this. I'm not trying to get too personal with you. I'm just trying to get you to relate to this. But you know what? There's many of you who say, oh, yes, brother, I believe that. And yet, you know what? You're afraid to fly. You're afraid to drive on a mountain road. You're going to go off the edge. You're afraid to walk at night certain places. You're afraid to do things. Now again, there's wisdom. I don't think you go out and tempt the devil. But you know what? If we understood that the angel of the Lord encamps round about me, that I've got thousands and thousands and thousands of horses and chariots round about me, you ought at least be able to walk to the grocery store. You ought at least be able to go out and help somebody who's sick without being afraid that those germs that you're going to catch it You know what the truth is? Most of us do not really access and understand the power that we have in the spirit realm. Because Elisha believed it, he just raised his hand and he said, Lord, smite them with blindness. And instantly the entire army was smitten with blindness. He told them to take each other by the hand. They grabbed hands and he said, follow me. And he led them, the entire Syrian army captive to the king of Israel. And then he opened up their eyes and this old bony fingered prophet without shooting a bow and arrow, without doing anything, took the mightiest nation on the face of the earth captive, took all of them captive, because he knew the power and the anointing that was with him. And you know what? The scripture doesn't tell us that Elisha ever saw these things. I don't believe Elisha needed to see it. Elisha believed it. He saw the horse and chariots of fire come in part between him and Elijah. In uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. He knew that they existed. But I don't believe he saw them here. He didn't need to. And you know this is another point. That a lot of people struggle with. A lot of people will try and believe. All right, I believe that there's spiritual realities. That I can't see. They will believe for a period of time. Hoping that it will manifest. And as soon as it manifests. Praise God. I knew this was real. And then they they just leave faith because now they've got reality. You know You can get to a place to where you believe what the Word says, and that's reality, and you don't care if you ever see it. You do care in the sense that you want to glorify God, you want to manifest it for other people, but you can get to where faith is more real to you than what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel you can get to where you don't just stand in faith briefly trying to get something to become real, but you can get to where faith is real to you. To where the spiritual world, what God says about you is more real than what you feel, more real than what a doctor says. You know, when we bought this building, we had to take out a loan uh, to do it. It's a long story, but I'm sure many of you know what I'm talking about. And anyway, they made me go get an insurance policy. So they sent me over here to do a treadmill test. And uh, I went over there, and they were going to put me on this treadmill and put all these things on my chest. And this, this nurse was going to shave the hair on my chest. And I told her, I said, this is virgin hair. It has never had a razor come upon it. I'm a Nazarite. I said, you can't touch this, her. And anyway, so they tried to put these things on without any shaving my chest. And so about halfway into that test, those things started falling off. And so the nurse was holding one on. I was holding one on. The doctor was holding one on. And I was on this treadmill going. So anyway, two weeks after this test, this insurance guy called me up. And he said, Mr. Womack, are you sitting down? And I said, no, I'm standing up. But I said, I can handle it. Tell me whatever you want to. He says, boy, your, your, your treadmill test was bad. He says, you got a serious, serious problem. Uh, you need to go to the doctor. Uh, they're going to run tests on you immediately and all of this stuff. And I said, oh, that's not true. And he says, oh, it is true. We got the results. And I said, look, all of those electrodes fell off during this <laughs> test. And he said, oh, they did? And I said, yeah. And he says, well, go take another test. So he set it up. So I went and this time they shaved my chest and they put these bandages around my chest to hold this stuff on. I went for the 15 minutes and everything was fine. I was talking to this doctor. I was talking to him about miracles that I'd seen and everything. And so after we got through, I said, so how is it? I said, did I pass this time? And he said, yeah, everything looks pretty good. And he was looking through there. And then all of a sudden he just stopped and gets this look on his face, you know, how these doctors, man, it's amazing how they can intimidate you. He got this look on his face and started looking at me and then looked at this thing and he says, boy, this isn't good. He said, this is bad. And I said, what's wrong? And he says, you've got a serious heart problem. He says, you've got to go to the doctor right now. He says, I've got a friend. He'll give you more tests. He was writing out this thing and he says, you go over there and you check this out. He says, I am going to send you over today. He'll empty his schedule and he'll get you in right away. You need to go today. And I just looked at him and I said, that's a lie. I said, I don't believe that. And you should have seen this doctor just like, you questioned me. I am the doctor. They aren't used to being questioned. I said, that's a lie. I don't have a heart problem. And he just looked at me. And I said, you look at that piece of paper and you tell me that this proves I've got a heart problem. I said, in the name of Jesus, you tell me that. And he looked and he says, well, it doesn't say you have a heart problem. He says, it's just a tiny bit abnormal. And he says, everybody's heart's a little different. And he says... There may be nothing. He says, you could be perfectly healthy, but you aren't just the standard. And he says, there's possibility, just a possibility that something could be wrong. I said, that's not what you told me. I said, you told me something was wrong. And he started backpedaling. And I said, you know what? I said, that's just a lie. And he finally admitted. He says, you know what? You're probably just as healthy as you can be. But you know, and I'm not saying this to criticize anybody, but you know, there's many of you in here that I guarantee you if a doctor told you you had a problem and if you felt totally normal, you would fold like a $2 suitcase because you know what? The doctor is more real to you than what faith is. But I know what God's Word says and I know that I've been walking in health and because of that, you know what? That's just, I don't care what a doctor says or a lawyer or the banker, or anybody else. I know what God says. And what God says has become more real. I am not. I haven't arrived, but I've left. And it's becoming more real to me now than what I can see with my physical eyes. And you know what I believe the Bible calls that? Faith. You know what I believe the Bible calls it when you hear a doctor say something that is contrary to what the Word says. And it just causes sorrow and grief. And you have to go through a problem. I believe the Bible calls that unbelief. And that's not to condemn anybody. I'm not upset. And God's not upset with me the times that I've been in unbelief. But I believe that's what the Bible calls it. It's just unbelief. If we really saw into the spirit realm, if we took what God's Word says, that by His stripes we were healed, you couldn't be fearful and hurt and all of these kind of things when somebody tells you something different. When a banker tells you something different. Man, I could could stay up here all night telling you stories about trying to get this building and get it remodeled and do everything else and the things that I've been told. And then even after we decided a year ago not to take out a loan and we said we are going to make it, um, just a a million things with contractors and other things. And you know what? I just had to walk by faith And what God tells me is more real than what I can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. And I guarantee you, my staff right here, you could ask them, we have seen some awesome miracles happen. We have seen some things that there is no physical explanation for outside of God. And it's because God has spoken some things through His Word, and even more specifically through the Spirit to me, and I've stood on what God has said instead of what I've seen. And because of it, we're seeing the physical manifestation of these things. But I tell you, the Spirit world is real. And we aren't trying to get something that hasn't happened to happen It has happened. It's real. It's just spiritual reality. And all faith does is just reach over into this physical world and bring... I mean, the spiritual world and bring what is already spiritually true into physical reality. I'm not trying to get God to heal me. By His stripes, I was healed. And all I'm doing with my confession is drawing that spiritual reality into the physical realm. See, that kind of logic, that looking at things that way, has really helped me. Because instead of just saying, well, I'm healed. But in my heart, I'm thinking, oh, I hope I really do get healed. You know what? That just voids my faith. That doesn't work. You know, I've used this example before. But When Jamie and I first got married, we just were struggling. And I was pastoring a church and I didn't even have enough money to buy a Bible. And I was using the Bible that I had in Vietnam. It was mildewed. Entire books, not chapters or pages, but books of the Bible were gone. And I had it so marked up I couldn't read it. And anyway, here I was, the pastor of a church, and I didn't even have a whole Bible. And I just finally decided, you know, sooner or later, I've got to see some physical manifestation of what I'm saying. And I just decided I am going to believe God and get enough money to get a Bible. And it took me like six months. Some of you have a hard time relating to this and think, well, you just had other things you spent your money on. But anyway, that's not true. I mean, I was really poor, (laughs) amen. And so it took me like six months to get a Bible. So I confessed and believed that in the name of Jesus, I have a new Bible. I started telling people I've got a brand new Bible and I didn't physically have it, but I started saying it. But see in my mind, I hadn't made this adjustment that we're talking about. I didn't realize that it was really there, that God had given me that power and it was spiritual reality. I thought that I was saying it, hoping to make it become so. And because of that, I would say, pray and speak that I had a new Bible. And yet, as soon as I'd say that, I'd have a thought come, some man of God you are, you don't even have a Bible. You're never going to get a Bible. It won't work for you. And I had to fight those thoughts of unbelief and cast them down. And I bet you for those six months, I I was bombarded with the thought of unbelief every ten minutes for that whole time. I mean, I was just constantly, the devil was telling me it won't work, he won't get it. But here's my point. After I got my new Bible and I finally bought it and had my name engraved on it and I walked out of the Baptist bookstore with my Bible under my arm instantly... The doubt that I would get it, quit. <laughs> I never doubted that I'd get it once I believed I had it. And some people think, well, of course, what's—you'd be stupid to believe to doubt that you'd get it if you've got it. That's my point. <laughs> you know why some people say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed, and then they have a thought, it'll never work. You know why that thought comes? Because you don't believe it is real yet until you see it. You don't believe that until you see it, taste it, hear it, smell it, or feel it, that God has done anything. But what I'm telling you is God is a spirit. John 4, 24. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Everything you receive from God comes through the spirit realm first. And then it manifests itself in the physical realm. If you can't get it in the spirit, you can't get it in the physical. If you don't believe that it's already real in the spirit, and that you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead, then it'll never manifest the external way. The only exception that I'm aware of to this is that when you... All of us, I believe, have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us and everything, all the power and anointing that we need is in the Spirit, but it has to go through your brain. That's like a bridge that that has to cross to get into the physical realm. You're a spirit, soul, and then body, and so your soul is like the bridge that this has to cross to get into the physical realm. If you've got a loose wire up here and if you aren't able to convey the power that's in your spirit to the physical realm then you know what you do? It's like a battery on a car. When it goes dead, if yours isn't working, what you do is pull another car up and you put those jumper cables on and you bypass your dead battery and go to the jump to the cables and go directly to the starter and you bypass the dead battery. Well, if this isn't releasing the power that's in your spirit, what you do is come up to somebody else who does have that anointing flowing in them. And these are our jumper cables. And we bypass that loose wire in your brain that has kept you from believing and we go directly to your body. But you know what? You can't live that way. That's temporary. And praise God, there are times that all of us need that. But the key is to get to where you believe that you already have the same power that raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of you. And when you do that, And you believe that it is real. I'm not trying to get God to heal me from the outside. But God has already put raising from the dead power on the inside of me. It is already here. And I am not saying that by His stripes I am healed trying to get God to heal me. I'm saying by His stripes I am healed because I believe I have been healed. And that I have that raising from the dead power on the inside. Then see that's when it manifests. That's when it becomes real. And you can get to a place to where what God says is more real to you than what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. You know what? I, was, I said this yesterday at a church service that we held in here, but you know, I've stood in this auditorium, I don't know how many times, maybe a hundred times over the last year or two, and seen this place filled and seen ministering to people and seen these things when the bankers were telling us it can't happen it's not going to work but you know what I've seen it because I've seen it through what God's word says through what God has spoken in my heart and this has been real to me and when I see the physical thing you know what it's not as exciting to me as when I see it by faith I don't know if some of you can understand that but now that we're beginning to see this building completed, we still got a long ways to go with some of it, but because I'm beginning to see it completed. You know what? I'm already looking at the next building. Amen. I was talking to Paul Milligan today. Where's Paul? Right there. I was talking to Paul today about, you know what? This is smaller than what I anticipated and we're going to have to be out of here quick and we need to get to talking to somebody. We had, uh, I had Donna contact uh, somebody last week about some properties, start inquiring about other property. You know what? I'm ready to go start doing something else. I like this creative stage. I like seeing it. And I enjoy seeing this. It's a satisfaction, but I'm already ready to get back into walking by faith. Some people it's like, oh man, I'm going to do what I have to and persevere through faith so that I can get something that's real. With me, I'd rather be out here walking in the faith realm and seeing what's going on in the spirit than I had to be Dwelling in something that's just physical and tangible. I don't know if you understand that. I know some of you think I'm weird, but I think you're weird. I think this is faith. This is the way that it is. You know, some some of you have heard me say, but we had an instance where on March the 4th, 2001, my oldest son called and said my youngest son was dead. And it turned out he had been dead for uh, four and a half hours. He was dead a total of, I don't know, a little over four and a half hours. And uh, I asked him what happened, and then I said, "Look, the first report isn't the last report. Don't let." Him. And I got that from Pastor Bob. Man, he had just been preaching on that at our uh, February or January ministers' conference, and this was March the fourth, and that just came right up out of me. Praise God. Praise God, man, for the people that you hang around with. What if I'd been hanging around with somebody that says, Oh, things are really bad <laughs> and things like this. But man, you hang around with people that say positive things and you know what? It'll minister to you. So the first thing came out on me is the first report's not the last report. And I said, Don't let anybody touch him until we get there. And we had to get dressed. It took us an hour and a half to drive into Colorado Springs. And on the way in, we're, we lived so far out that our cell phones wouldn't work. We couldn't be in contact. We didn't have any... Further information. But I just started praising God and thanking Him by faith because I didn't feel it. But you know what? I believed it was real. I believed God was a good God. And as soon as I started praising God, Scripture came back to my mind. Prophecies came back to my mind. We had a man who was a part of the power team. Had never met me. And he came into Dan and Nancy Thompson's church in California when I was ministering there. And he only walked in the last 10 minutes of my message. He had never seen me. And he came up after the message and he says, Do you have two sons? Had never seen me before. And he just knew by the Spirit that I had two sons. And he says... He started prophesying to me about things that were going to happen in their life. You know what, I have to take that as a word from God because there's no way He could have known the situation and yet He prophesied to me. We had a woman over in Ireland prophesy to me specifically and say that the younger son was going to serve the Lord before the older son. And at the time that they said that, that was absolutely impossible. And yet you know what, it's coming to pass. But it wasn't fulfilled back then. And I said, you know what, If if those words were from God, which I believe they were, then Peter's got to live. And man, you can ask Jamie. I started praising God and saying, this is awesome. I wasn't acting silly. It wasn't foolish or anything, but I was rejoicing. Because you know what? I saw it by faith. Faith became real to me. And when we got into town, my oldest son said, Dad, five or ten minutes after I called you, Peter just sat up. Dead for nearly five hours. He had turned black. He was on a slab in a... I don't know if it was a cooler, but some kind of a cool slab with a toe tag on. Been dead for nearly five hours and he just sat up. And you know what? When I walked in and talked to Peter and came out, some people think, well, man, I bet you were rejoicing. I never did do anything because you know what? I rejoiced nearly an hour before Faith, I saw it and faith was real to me, I would have been shocked if I hadn't have seen it. And because of that, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being demonstrative and stuff, but you know, I, I had already done my rejoicing. It's like this building. I'm excited, it's a blessing, but I've already seen this a long time ago. This isn't that I mean it is exciting. I'm not trying to downplay it, but it's not exciting. I've been excited about this for a long time. And there's some people that all of a sudden, now that they can see it and we're sitting in it, there's some people like, wow, it really worked. I was a year ago, wow, it really works, amen. I saw it a year ago. You can get to where faith is real to you, more real than what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And I can promise you, brothers and sisters, there isn't a person in here that has any type of problem I don't care what it is, that if you could see the spiritual answer, the spiritual antidote for whatever your problem is, and get to where that became more real to you than the physical things you're dealing with, that you wouldn't be just rejoicing and praising God. Because God's supply is infinitely greater than your need. God's supply has already been created before you ever have a need. God has never taken off guard. God has already supplied your need long before you ever had a problem. Man, faith is real. God is real. His power is real. Not only in this room, but on the inside of you is like the dynamo of God, the atomic weapons of God, even much greater than that. The power that's on the inside of you is infinitely greater than whatever the demand is on you. And you may be sitting there thinking, but you don't know what the lawyer's been saying, what the doctor has said, what this person has said. But I'm saying you don't know what God has said. God's power on the inside of you is infinitely greater than anything that you need. And all we've got to do is get to where we start walking by faith and not by sight. And when you do that, I guarantee you, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Man, that's the victory that overcomes the world. And it doesn't matter. If the banker has given you up and said it's impossible and you're about to default, you know what? If you could get into faith, see the supply of God, God's, all he's got to do is just give you one word. One word spoken to anybody. One word from God given to any person in here today could transform your life. I got a word from Pastor Bob Nichols. The first report's not the last report because of it. I've got a son who's alive and not dead, and a granddaughter who's been born to me that I wouldn't have seen if it hadn't have been for just hearing a word from God. Man, how many times has Dave Duell spoken into my life? Dave spoke a word over this building. He spoke that when the Lord told me, he didn't know what the Lord had told me about I'd limited him. I didn't tell Dave. And yet that morning, Dave got up. Some of you might remember this, but this was the morning that he says how a mime turns around, and then when he turns back around, he's not himself, he's speaking, you know, he's, he's acting for somebody else. And he turned around, and then he turned back and began to prophesy to Jamie and me things about how much God loved us. And he didn't know what God had said to me about thinking bigger and all of this, and yet Dave began to prophesy about how that the ministry was going to explode, how things were going to happen. And then he gave me a word, and he says, God says, you aren't going to have to go take... A, no, he said, God's got a bank that he's going to finance the whole thing. And I was thinking, man, what bank is that? And then he says, your partners are your bank. And he spoke that word. And anyway, it took me, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, and it took me a little while, but but you know what? Within a year or so, as everything was falling apart and the banker wouldn't give us a loan, I mean, this was a Christian credit union. And he was looking at my three year returns from before. And before I started thinking big, our income didn't justify this building. And so he was looking at that. And I said, but I told you that God said, and he just looked at me and I said, Hey, doesn't God carry any weight in a Christian credit union? (laughs) Apparently not. (laughs) Didn't make a lick of difference. And so anyway, they were refusing to give us this loan. And I went, I said, something's not right. And I started praying and I started praying in tongues and asking God for wisdom. And you know what? Dave Duell's prophecy, the Lord, within just minutes of me praying in tongues, he says, your partners are your bank. You know, you don't need to take out a loan to do this. And so, you know what? I sat down and figured it out at the rate money was coming in for us. It could have taken anywhere from four or five years to see this building completed. And yet in 11 months, we brought in two and a half million dollars over and above our normal expense, and our normal expenses doubled. And yet we brought in two and a half million dollars above that and paid for this because you know what? I had a word from God. And I saw that. Isn't that awesome? And brothers and sisters, I know there's a lot of people here that, man, there's a lot of history, a lot of things gone on between you and the Lord. God is speaking to many of you. God has spoken to you and you've got words from the Lord. And you know what? It just really comes down to what is real to you. What God has said or what you're seeing, what you're hearing from the people in your church, what the banker has told you, what the doctor has told you, what your family has told you, what's really real. This just boils it down to really what all of this is about. Are you going to go by what God's Word says? Is that going to be real to you? Or are you just trying to confess it being so, believing it really isn't so, but if you'll confess it long enough, it'll become so. If that's the way you're thinking, that's the reason it hadn't worked for you. It's because you don't see it as being real. But it really is real. Now, that doesn't mean that you ignore or deny that the physical world exists. That's not what I'm saying. I believe that this physical world exists. I just don't believe that this is it. I don't believe that that's all of reality. I believe that there is a spiritual world, and the spiritual world always trumps the physical world. Spiritual truth is more real than physical truth. I don't deny... You know, some people say, So what is it? Are you sick or are you well? You could be both. You could be sick in your body... And at the same time, be healed by the stripes of the Lord Jesus. And if you understand the power of words, well then it's not good to go around confessing what the natural realm says because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Unbelief comes the same way. If you go to talking negative and talking it's not going to work, you know what, that will affect your heart and it will affect your belief system. So I believe that you should be speaking the Word of God and using the power of life. But at the same time, you know, Jesus in the 11th chapter of the book of John, He was uh, uh, asked to come raise Lazarus from the dead. And He stayed two days longer in the same place. And finally, uh, He told His disciples, He says, let's go again into Judea. And they said, Master, you know that the Jews have sought to kill you of late. And are you going to go back there? And He says, we've got to walk in the light that God's given us. If you walk in the light, you won't stumble. But if you walk in the darkness... You don't know where you're going. And he says, our friend Lazarus is asleep. But I go that I may wake him out of sleep. And the disciples, carnal disciples, were thinking, well, man, if he's been sick and now if he's taking a nap, that's good for him. (laughs) And Jesus, the reason he used the word sleep, I believe, is because he knew that the word death to a carnal-minded person is just, that's the end. There is nothing beyond death. It's final. It carries a tremendous amount of fear, negativism in it. And so to Jesus, death was more like sleep than it was what people called death. And so he didn't want to use the word dead. So he says, our friend Lazarus is asleep. But when he was misunderstood, just like, see, if you're saying, uh, you know, you got this big old gorder. I remember this testimony about a woman that had a gorder on her neck She came forward in a prayer in a camp meeting, got prayer and was, uh, she just got touched by the Lord and she knew that she knew that she knew that she was healed. And so she stood up in front of the deal and she started praising God. Praise God, I got healed tonight. And you could still see this big gorder. And so people kind of gave her mercy at first thinking, well, you know, after all, maybe God touched her and it's going to go away. So they didn't say anything. The next year she came back, still had this huge gorder. There And she got up in front of the crowd and started testifying and seeing. She says, it's a one year ago today that God healed me of this gorder. And she started praising God. And people thought that was a little strange, but they gave her some mercy, didn't say anything. The next year she comes back. She says, it was two years ago today that God healed me of this gorder, and yet you could still see it. The people got upset and told the elders. They said, man, if she does this again... You know, you're going to have to say something. She cannot be testifying that she's healed when she isn't healed. So she came back the next year and she says, this has been three years since I've been healed. Finally, the elders got her over and they said, you cannot stand up there and testify that you've been healed when you haven't been healed because this proves it. You can still see it. And this woman got in prayer and she told the Lord, she says, Lord, she says, I know you've healed me. I believed I received it three years ago, and I know it's real, but these people can't believe if they don't see it. God, would you please take that thing away so that they could believe that you've healed me? And it was gone. She got up the next day and started testifying, and she says, I told you I was healed. (laughs) And see, there's some people that wouldn't have really believed anything had happened until you see it. But the truth is, That it's real in the spirit realm. Now, we need to get it manifest into the physical, but I'm saying that you need to get to where having it in the spirit is real. So when let me go back to this story and I'll quit with this. But Jesus said that Lazarus was asleep because he didn't want the negativism, the unbelief that would have come through that. But when they misunderstood what he said, and they thought, well, Lazarus, if he's asleep, that's good. Finally, he said plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, the the extreme faith type people that, you know, if you say something like, oh, that tickled me to death, and they say, oh, you're going to die because you said the word death. That's a little extreme. You know, the only reason people don't fall over dead when they say that tickles me to death is because the Bible says you have to believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. It's not just words, it's you got to believe it, and if you're saying... Words like that. I'm not saying it's good to go around talking death, but you aren't going to drop dead every time you say something scares you to death because you didn't really mean it. So anyway, Jesus didn't want to use the word death because of the connotation that went with it, but when people misunderstood Him, finally He said, Lazarus is dead, but, but, and He put that word but in there, but, I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there to the intent that you might believe. That was His way of saying, but, I'm going to raise him from the dead. So here's the way you do it. It's not that you deny that the physical world exists. You have to deal with it. And if other people that aren't operating in faith don't understand what you're saying, you can say, look, maybe in the physical realm, I am sick. I do have pain. I am running a fever. But by his stripes, I was healed. And the spiritual reality is greater than the physical reality. And this physical problem has got to bow its Praise knee. God. See, if you approach it that way, it's okay. It's not wrong to say what is physical truth as long as you trump it with the spiritual truth. And sometimes you have to do that because we live in a world of unbelievers. And uh, Greg Moore said this at Bob Nichols' meeting that I was at this year, but he's, he just basically said, it just all depends on where you put your butt. That's right. <laughs> If you say, I'm healed, but I sure feel sick, that's wrong. But if you say, I feel sick, but I am healed by the stripes of the Lord, that's okay. It just depends on where you put your butt. So just get your butt in the right place and everything will be fine. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. You'll remember that anyway. So brothers and sisters, I just, this has really helped me that, you know what, when I see something in the physical, it's not like, oh God, you really did it. But you know what, I see it in the spiritual, and I say, God, you've really done it. And the spiritual world has become more real to me than this physical world. I can't say I do it perfectly, but I can guarantee you I'm, I'm doing it totally different than I used to. And it has become more real to me. And I believe that this is the way that God intended us to live. And I I think that y'all are awesome. I love all of you. But you know what? If this is a typical group, the majority of us in here don't walk by faith very much. The truth is we let what we see, taste, hear, smell, and feel dominate us. And even though you may know to speak the right things and you go through the motions, most of the time we're trying to say it is so to make it so instead of believing that it's already so and saying it because we believe it. There's a difference. And man, we're the only ones that can really discern our own heart. But this week, I'm going to share some things with you that I think will just encourage you in this area of faith and help build you up. And praise God, I believe we'll go out of here. And every one of us have dreams and visions and words from God that if we could just start walking by faith and seeing these things real, I guarantee you it would not only change your life, but it would change the lives of thousands, tens of thousands of people that God has called you to minister to. That's the victory that overcomes the world is our faith, and we got to get on into faith. I tell you, this world is baptized in unbelief, and if you Absolutely. aren't careful, it will get on you. It'll overcome you, Amen. I'm just saying this by the Spirit of the Lord. But there's some of you here tonight that you know what? You've let unbelief slip into your vision, and you're you're cursing your own vision. You're cursing your own situation. You're speaking just natural truth, thinking I'm trying to be just honest. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm not trying to make things better than they are. I'm just trying to be real. And you know what? You're cursing your own vision by speaking, limiting yourself to only your physical truth. You need to start speaking what God's put in your heart and not say it because you you know it's not true, but you're trying to make it true. You need to get to where you really see it. If God's called you to pastor a bigger church and do more things and more people saved more people delivered and baptized in the Holy Ghost, and if that's what God's speaking to you, start seeing it on the inside. Start speaking what you see on the inside. And it's real. Amen. Amen? You know, we're seeing God has expanded our Bible college and we're seeing now success and we're seeing things beginning to really grow. And it's exciting, but I've, I see other things. I, got, I won't take all the time tonight to tell you some of the things I've seen, but man, I got a big vision. I've seen lots of things happening. And right now, it's real to me. Nobody else can see it. And I'm not mad at anybody else because they hadn't got my vision. God hadn't spoken it to them, so that's okay. But I'm telling you, it's real to me. And when I see it with my physical eyes, then some people are going to say, man, it really worked. But you know what I'm saying? It's really working right now. I could prophesy to you a lot of things that God has told me and that will happen and that I know are going to happen. But they're real on the inside of me right now. And when I see it, it's not going to be more real. This is real. Walking by faith is real. That's the way God made us to be. We're faith beings. And brothers and sisters, we need to get out of that natural realm and get into faith. That's what God called us to be. We're supposed to be faith people. Amen. Good word. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.